Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hello and welcome to The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob, and this week is the kickoff to soup season. Oh my god, it's the middle of October. It's getting a little brisk. All the uh, leaves are golden and orange and red and falling and all that kind of stuff. So it is time to make some soup. And I made a lot of soup today. I made too much soup. Spent five hours in the kitchen making soup today. And here I am, 11.30 at night, recording the podcast. Because I backed myself into a corner. And I had to just fight my way out (laughs) and the thing is is i'm not even a big fan of soup no sir Uh, i think soup is uh it's fine for what it is i'm not a i'm not a big fan i'm not a i'm not a soup uh advocate however i had a fun idea that i wanted to make fun bowls (laughs) more than i cared about the soup that was in them and i couldn't decide which bowl I thought was more fun. So I thought, eh, just make both of them, you know? So we did a, we did a, (laughs) such a stupid reason to do this, but hey, here we are. (laughs) Eight hours, eight hours post recording the podcast, having made uh, two soups because of a bowl fetish that I have. All right, so we made... We made a, a squash soup in a roasted pumpkin bowl, very autumnal, and we made a classic French onion soup in a bread bowl, and holy moly, they were both actually really good. Lots of uh, fun little homemade ingredients that I got to use for this. Got to use some of our homemade apple cider, homemade uh, maple syrup from back in March. March 23rd was the date on the label. Used our own uh, maple syrup in that squash soup. Uh, made some, made the made the whole house smell like Thanksgiving <laughs> with all the the onions caramelizing and and the roasting squash and everything else. So we'll get into that in a second. Uh, you definitely want to check out the show notes for the episode. You know, I'll walk through the recipes, but I'm not going to give you a whole lot of specific numbers. It's, you know, I'll be like, oh, for the French onion soup, we're going to have uh, some dry vermouth and and brandy, but I'm not breaking it down into the specific measurements. That is in the show notes. Um, we'll also have links to important equipment and ingredients. I don't think there's going to be any special ingredients this week. But I can probably put um, a link in there to the KitchenAid stand mixer grain mill that I use to mill wheat into flour to make the bread for the bread bowls. And a link to the Le Creuset bread oven, which is really cool. Uh, I got that for my birthday and I use that to bake the bread bowls. That was really, really handy this weekend. And then, of course, we'll have a link to the Imager album, which is a photographic step-by-step of the process. So you get to hear me walk through the recipe and point out any caveats or, you know, something to pay attention to. 
be like, hey, don't 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 forget what you're doing on this step because it can turn into garbage real quick, real quick or something like that. And then you look through the imager album, you'd be like, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like at this at this point in the process. It helps a lot. Plus, uh, you know, the pictures are pretty. And then, of course, uh, when it comes to making it yourself, you can check out the recipe that I provided in the show notes onward. <laughs> Sorry, it's really late. It's really late. So last night, yesterday, I uh, got started making some bread. I, um, you know, I milled two cups of that uh, hard winter wheat from Grains from the Plains, a family-owned uh, grain farm from Colorado. Uh, made a nice whole wheat flour from that. And to that, I added three cups of all-purpose flour to give it a nice spongy interior because we want that. The, so the whole thing with the bread, look, there's a million bread recipes. I'll tell you the recipe that I used. Um, it's pretty simple, really straightforward. But the main thing that I was going for with the bread was to make a bread that was sturdy enough to hold soup and that was the primary thing you know it wasn't that the bread would taste good or look pretty or you know have leaves cut into the surface of it no it was i need a bread that can function as dishes because that is the only reason i'm making all this soup is because i want to have cool bowls <laughs> so we added the uh three cups of all-purpose flour to the two cups of whole wheat flour about uh, about two tablespoons of kosher salt, and uh, then we activated some uh, Fleischmann's Fleischmann's yeast. One and a half tablespoons of that with a teaspoon of sugar and some warm water. Once it got all nice and foamy, we dumped that into the dry ingredients and added 1.75 cups of water and used the bread hook attachment on low speed to knead this concoction into dough for 12 minutes. Now, why 12 minutes? <sighs> I don't know. I don't remember why I know this, but I went through an, an artisanal bread making phase, uh, all kinds of different recipes and hydration levels and stuff like that. And for one, the, the one that stuck out the most as being the best bread recipe, bleh, the best bread recipe, uh, had a kneading time of 12 minutes, and that has just stuck with me for no apparent reason. There's two things that I will never forget is, one, kneading the bread for 12 minutes, and two is the fielding positions of all of the players on the 1991 Pittsburgh Pirates, and that's really inexplicable because I've never watched an entire baseball game, let alone a Pirates baseball game. I mean, there was a period in the late 90s where I'd watch a couple innings of a Braves game on TBS, but I've never watched a whole Pirates game, let alone when I was uh, eight years old. So why, why do I know that... It, Barry Bonds was in left field and Andy Van Slyke was in center and Bobby Bonilla was in right field. Jeff King was at third base. Jay Bell was at 
shortstop. Jose Chico Lean was the second baseman. Orlando Merced was first base. You had to pick a pitchers, but, you know, put Doug Drabeck on the mound. And then back at catcher, you'd have Mike Spanky Lavalier. Why do I know that? I don't know. I think I was abducted by aliens, and they've implanted that that memory or that knowledge as like a tracking beacon or something because it's completely inconceivable why I possess that knowledge. At least I know that I used to make bread and knead it for 12 minutes five years ago. <laughs> that makes sense. Anyway. We've we got a little, little tangent there. Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, bread. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need the bread for 12 minutes. And then I let that rise at room temperature covered in saran wrap in the, in the KitchenAid mixing bowl. Let that go overnight. And then this morning, punch that down, kind of fold it in on itself a couple of times, form a tight ball with as smooth a surface as you could get with all that whole wheat uh, flour in there. It's a very rustic, uh, robust, uh, rustic, robust, coarse, coarse is a word, coarse flour. Um, so you can't get like the real shiny, smooth surface, but you can get a you can get a, a pretty smooth sand ball out of it. And then we cut that in half with the bench scraper and then form both of those halves into nice bowl-sized balls and let them rise while we preheated the oven to, I believe it was 425 degrees. Uh, and then, of course, during this whole period, we're making soup. But, you know, we bake those, those bread bowls off um, 30 minutes covered and 15 minutes uncovered and then let them cool for a while. Um, and that made a, you know, you spritz the outside with a, you know, a mist of water that'll give you a nice uh, crunchy crust. I did not vent these uh, loaves with a lame. One did split open in the top, but it wasn't a problem. Didn't, it didn't inhibit the, uh, the bowl making process later. The other one kept a nice smooth surface on it, which was, which was welcome. But that was basically the bread bowls. Not, not a super interesting bread recipe, but you do what you got to do. All right, let's start on the, uh, the French onion soup, which is the most, uh, time intensive of the two soups mainly because we need to caramelize a lot of onions. And uh, when you do so, you know, slow and steady is the name of the game. You see some of these recipes where it's like, hey, caramelize these onions on medium high and it'll take, you know, 15 minutes. No, no, that, that, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> this, was, this was a two-hour process alternating between medium heat and medium high heat in an enameled cast iron Dutch oven, also Le Creuset, you know, hey, I'm open to sponsorships, KitchenAid, Le Creuset, whatever, you know, hit me up. All right, so I started with uh, eight uh, yellow onions, peeled and sliced fairly thinly. That's the thing. Um, you know, all the recipes will call for you to slice these uh, super thin, but... Uh, they're going to break down so much during this caramelization process that it really doesn't matter. You just kind of want to slice them up. So, you know, some of them, 
Maybe we're a sixteenth of an inch thick. Some were closer to an eighth of an inch. Uh, but we got those into the uh, into the pot there. Added extra virgin olive oil and butter, and started those simmering on medium heat. And you can really just not pay attention to them for a long time, because initially they kind of have to sweat out a lot of that water content. They're going to just be simmering in their own onion milk for, and, and they're not going to scorch on the bottom. Don't I mean don't get the the heat too high, but it's going to be a long time before you have to really pay attention to them. So you can do a lot of other things in the meantime. But we started off just with uh, olive oil and butter. Now, secondarily, like the ingredients that are prepared but not going in there yet, um, one whole head of garlic. Um, we'll mince that up later. This is you don't want to you don't want to cook the garlic as long as you're going to be cooking the onions, because the garlic can go in like when the wet ingredients go in. Um, that'll keep the garlic. Uh, flavor fresh and you're not gonna you're not gonna cook all that garlic flavor out you're not gonna get any bitter uh, byproducts from overcooking the garlic you're not gonna do anything like that all right so um, we'll have that garlic set aside uh, we'll have eight cups of beef stock a half cup of dry vermouth you can use a dry white wine but I like <sighs> what is it it's you know there's a difference between the, the flavor from a culinary standpoint of dry vermouth and something like a fortified white wine, like a like a sherry or a, 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 well, what's the other one? Why can I never? Marsala. That's that's it. Um, but the dry vermouth works really well. Um, it, it, it really has like a, a pungent <laughs> sort of flavor that works well with the caramelized onions uh, on the back end. Um, we have two fresh bay leaves from our bay plant. Um, that's going to be going dormant here pretty soon. Uh, a lot of the leaves will fall off in the winter as it resides in the barn. So we might as well use some fresh bay leaves. I, I may have said two. I definitely use three. It's like, you know what? Yeah, let's let's throw the extra one in there. Be a little wild. We're making soup, man. All the rules go out the window. <laughs> uh, use a few sprigs of fresh thyme. You can use dried thyme. Uh, fresh is fun, you know, because then you get to pick out all the little sticks at the end. Um, you know, once, once the onions start really um, putting off a bunch of liquid and they're kind of like simmering in that onion juice, uh, at that point, I added the bay leaves in the time because I was like, let's just get this fully infused with this flavor. Um, you would think with the caramelization process that it could, you know, have some adverse effect on fresh herbs, but it's such a slow, methodical process, and it really relies on the sugars that are in the onions. So it's not going to hurt the fresh herbs to be in there that most of that most of that cooking time. It'll it'll work fine. You're not gonna you're not gonna burn your bay leaves. You're not gonna you know scorch your thyme. It'll be okay. Get that in there. We had a you know a half teaspoon to a, a, a teaspoon of ground black pepper, um, salt to taste, you know, we're going to be adding those, add the salt and pepper to your onions. Um, that uh, the salt will actually help express the liquid earlier and, uh, that'll cook well together there. Um, we also had uh, two tablespoons of brandy, uh, really helps, really helps with the, um, the flavor that fills your mouth and nose palate, you know, the brandy 
brings out a lot of the, the, the sweetness in the onions. What else do we have here? Uh, for the cheese, a mixture of Gruyere and Parmesan. You can grate this, get it into a bowl, mix it together, set that aside for a while. And then, of course, there is a bread component uh, aside from the bowl being made out of bread. Whenever I uh, open those bread balls up and make them into a bowl, the guts, the bread guts that come out of there, I use those to toast to make croutons and uh, that. So, I mean, otherwise, you know, just a, a baguette or a, an olive oil loaf or something like that that you can, you can slice up, make a, make a nice crunchy crouton for if you're using a normal bowl, you know? All right. So you simmer your onions, medium, you know, you can kick it up to medium high and then back it off to medium, you know, every 10 minutes or so, so that you're not cooking them too quickly. After about 45 minutes, you're going to get sort of uh, a tan bit of coloration on there with a wooden spoon, If you're, especially if you're using a, an enameled cast iron vessel like a Dutch oven like I was. Use a wooden spoon and move those around. If you're getting any, any fond uh, starting on the bottom of your, of your pan, the wooden spoon should be able to rub that off and incorporate it into the onions. You're going to be stirring them every couple of minutes, uh, starting at the 45 minute mark and running straight through to the two hour mark. So, you know, it, it starts off very passive and it becomes um, agonizingly active starting at about 45 minutes. Move those uh, onions around. Uh, you're going to slowly and deliberately and methodically uh, add color to your caramelized onions. And it really is worth the wait. I mean, you check out the, the pictures in the imager album for how many onions we started with and what that cooked down to. And that is just pure concentrated flavor. And it's fantastic. Once you get to the point where I was after two hours, then add your brandy, add your vermouth, add your uh, beef stock and then bring that up to like a lively boil okay it's going to go from rich brown caramelized onion to a, a seemingly uh, very thin brothy soup but simmer that for a while reduce it by I don't know, approximately a quarter, maybe a little less than that. And what's going to happen is as that broth fully immerses and gets in between all the particles of the onions, uh, some of the, I don't know if it's pectin or what, you know, the cell walls, the col not collagen, <laughs> I don't know, cellulose, cellulite, cellul cellular, cellular mitosis. I don't know. Uh, you're going to get a silky sort of gelatinous uh, quality to the soup, and it's going to be very um, uh, satisfying. Uh, Mouthfeel, flavor, texture, everything. So basically that's going to happen as you simmer and reduce this by approximately 25%. Once that happens, you can knock the heat down to just uh, low, to keep warm, to off or whatever. It's going to hold heat for a while, but you'll get there. I tried to, tried to wrap all these these two soups up at the same time and then let them rest a little bit before serving. But that's basically the soup portion of your French onion soup. Now, when it comes time to serve, you know, as I said, you're going to 
you're going to open up your your bread bowl similar to the way that you would take the lid off of a pumpkin that you're carving for a jack-o'-lantern and remove a decent amount of the bread guts from the inside there being careful to leave a substantial wall of uh, not only the crust of the bread but you know maybe a half inch to a quarter inch to a half inch, probably closer to a half inch of the soft inner bread around the inside of that bread bowl so that when you load it up with liquid soup, it doesn't just uh, break through and spill out into you know the plate or the ceramic bowl or whatever you're serving it on there. Um, to reinforce the bottom of the bread bowl, I put a little bit of that Gruyere and Parmesan uh, mixture into the bottom of it and then put both of the bread bowls as well as all of the uh, fragments of bread guts on a cookie sheet and into a 400 degree oven for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. That melted the cheese to perform to uh, create a barrier on the bottom of the bread bowl so that it would it would resist the incursion of the liquid into the body of the bread itself while also toasting the interior bits of bread to make what are they called croutons croutons for french onion soup all right so ladle the french onion soup into the bread bowls take you know a couple of those croutons and kind of push them into the surface of the soup on the top and then coat that with a generous handful maybe two maybe more i don't know of your gruyere and parmesan mixture and then using the old trusty creme brulee torch uh, kind of work it back and forth from a distance. You don't want to get too close. You don't want to scorch it right off the bat. You want to melt it. You want to melt it. You want to bubble it. You want to get a little bit of a get a little bit of a brown uh, crust to it. Make it look really nice. And then you can serve it as is with the with the cheese as the the lid, or you can take the actual lid that you cut off of the bread and put it on there like a hat, you know, a little bit of a round crouton that can be dipped into the soup, whatever you're doing. I mean, it's soup. Have fun with it. It's soup served in bread, you know? <laughs> So anyway, uh, check out the pictures there. They turned out really nice. Uh, the French onion soup was fantastic. Oh my God, you know when you when you reduce that volume of raw onion down to you know a tenth of the you know the starting volume when it's caramelized. Oh my God, it's so good. It's wonderful. All right. So that's our French onion soup in the bread bowl. Let's move on to the squash soup. Now, ideally, ideally, if you're serving uh, a soup inside of a pumpkin, it would be a pumpkin soup. However, uh, today, as I'm recording, this is October 16th, and it's two weeks away from Halloween, and I didn't want to like cannibalize a whole bunch of our homegrown pumpkins for decorations and jack-o'-lanterns and everything else. I didn't want to use too many of them in making this kind of whimsical uh, soup dish, so I used one pumpkin to create the bowl, and then for the, the body of the soup itself, I used one of our butternut squashes. I think it's a Waltham butternut squash. And let me tell you, I am glad I did. I cut that 
butternut squash in half, and oh my god, it smelled so good. It was like a combination of cantaloupe and watermelon and cucumber, and it was just so fragrant and beautiful. Bright orange with like a red pulp around the seeds. It was incredible. Scoop all the seeds out. Get those into an oven, 400 degrees for, I don't know, it was about 40 minutes until it's nice and soft. And the uh, the skin of the squash itself, uh, you can it can kind of just slide off of the flesh of the squash. So after 40 minutes, I pulled those out, let them cool, let them rest. I was, at that point, I was stirring the, uh, the onions for the uh, butter, or not for that. I was stirring the onions for the French onion soup pretty much constantly. So I had plenty of time for the squash to cool uh, into a 400 or 425 degree oven. We're going to put that um, the pumpkin. Now, what we did is we cut, cut the lid off of the pumpkin and scooped out all the guts, you know, as if you're making a jack-o'-lantern, put the lid back on, line it up, you know, make it fit nice. Put that into a 425 degree oven for, you know, a half hour thereabouts. The main reason for that is we're going to soften up and bring out some of the sweetness and the inside, even though we're not really eating it. It's just sort of like it's going to be in contact with the soup. But the main reason is when you put a pumpkin in the oven, it's like, you know, when you give a mouse a cookie, when you put a pumpkin in the oven, it turns uh, shiny and darker and just fantastic looking. I mean, it's like uh, this, uh, this color texture shine transformation and it's very very attractive so that's what we're going for there all right so we've got our butternut squash it's cooled down we're going to get the skin off of it and basically cut it into cubes okay and we're going to put that into a oh geez louise i hit my microphone with my ipad all right so um we get that into uh the pot that we're going to cook this soup in with a tablespoon of butter just thrown in there with it and four cups of chicken stock and what we're going to do is we're going to simmer that squash with the chicken stock and the butter as well as uh, some apple cider and some maple syrup and the seasonings that we're going to go through here but the point of this is we baked that squash long enough for it to soften up to get it out of the skin but now we want to simmer it in some liquid to get it like really soft because we're going to puree it later i'm going to puree it. i I'm, I'm going to i did i pureed it with a with an immersion blender you can do it with a regular blender if you don't have an immersion blender if you do that you want to take you know a 20 minutes to let it cool down sufficiently you don't want to put it into a blender super hot and then start whirring it around get all that steam released and create a pressurized environment with this like molten hot squash and broth in there so let that cool down uh, if you're doing the immersion blender you still want to cool it down a little bit but you can do it right in the, right in the pot that you're uh cooking it in so we have our squash in there we have this uh, a little bit of butter you know what I, I had some fresh rosemary that i tied up with butcher's twine so that i could simmer that with the squash and the stock and that way i could remove that rosemary at the end and you don't have to worry about chopping it up real fine and trying to get it to mix in you know, because rosemary can have kind of a woody texture to it. So we can impart that flavor and then remove that whole bundle of herbs once it is uh, 
once it has flavored uh, the soup. So we have the uh, rosemary, the maple syrup, um, the apple cider, the chicken broth. Um, oh, uh, curry powder. I uh, used a tablespoon of curry powder, um, half a teaspoon of nutmeg. Uh, we ground up some clove. Uh, probably ended up being about a quarter teaspoon of clove. You know, the cloves, when, when you start off whole and you, and you grind them up into a powder, they, the volume kind of collapses. So it's a very small amount of clove, maybe five or six whole cloves ground in a spice grinder. One and a half teaspoons of salt. Uh, some pepper, and a third of a cup of heavy cream. All right. Now, listen to these ingredients here. We have sweet things like maple syrup and apple cider, and then you have like curry powder out of nowhere with, uh, you know, nutmeg and clove. What we're doing is we're trying to like create some tension between the savory and the sweet aspects. It makes it a little bit uh, interesting to the palate where it's like, hmm. It's not uh, it's not pumpkin pie, <laughs> but it's also uh, salty and savory, and the, there's there's definitely curry in here. So uh, you know, it, it turned out fantastic. The flavor was uh, wonderful. But anyway, once you've uh, simmered all these ingredients together for a while, you pull out that that bundle of rosemary, and then with the immersion blender, you basically make this a pureed uh, soup. And to that puree, we're going to add the heavy cream. The heavy cream goes in after all the other ingredients kind of came together. Now, once we started simmering that uh, the squash and the chicken stock, we're going to slice up two, two onions and get those caramelizing in a little pan. Now, I certainly didn't spend two hours caramelizing these onions because it started off as a much smaller volume. It only took about 20, 25 minutes. I did it mostly on medium high. So it wasn't like this slow, deliberate uh, caramelization process, but we got like 85% of the way there. Um, after pureeing the, uh, the squash, in the stock and then adding the cream then we add in these uh, lightly caramelized onions and i did not want to puree the soup with the onions and i wanted like some textural contrast between like this creamy silky smooth soup like there might as well be some you know soft translucent onion pieces in there to give some uh textural interest to the to the to the palate and, uh, you know, a lot of those onions are mostly going to dissolve into the soup as you simmer that for, you know, an hour or so. But anyway, at the point where everything's combined and you simmer a little bit, let it thicken up, let it kind of um, uh, all the ingredients intermingle and, and get like a uniform consistency across the whole across the whole shebang and then that soup could be ladled into the roasted pumpkin um, i did use some of that cheese mixture the gruyere and the uh and the parmesan to put on top um, and melted that with the torch but i didn't i didn't like uh toast it and get the brown uh bubbly uh, surface to it because you know i wanted it to be different I mean, this is a creamy soup so it had like a creamy cheesy uh cap to it as opposed to the uh, toasted cheese cap on the french onion soup but we melt that down really nice, garnish it with a little sprig of rosemary, oh my god, and then balance the uh, lid of the pumpkin so that you can see the soup inside, and it all looks, uh, 
it all looks very pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> so uh, that's basically it. Um, again, check the check the show notes for the recipes for both of the soups as well as you know very simple bread recipe for the bread bowls uh we'll have links to the le creuset bread oven to the uh to the grain mill uh maybe i'll throw one in there for an immersion blender who knows what you want to buy all right so that's that uh thanks for listening and happy soup season everybody